Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And for me, you know, part of my personal business is uh, understanding the world I live in, the people uh, I work and uh, live among. And, uh, you know, I think that should become a really high priority and a a really high value uh, with the cultural uh, divisiveness that we have today. And so I'm really excited about this guest. Any long-term listener also knows my love for books and and great books. We're going to be talking about one today. I've got uh, Deborah G. Plant with us. She's the author of Greed and Glory. And this book has gotten so much acclaim. And the publisher weekly, in fact, lists her as one of the top black authors to read in 2024. And Deborah, welcome to the program. Real quickly, kind of give us a, a, a panoramic overview of your background and of the book. And welcome to the show. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, I appreciate being here. A panoramic overview of my background is um, I studied at Southern University, Atlanta University, University of Nebraska, um, I taught for uh, quite a few years uh, at the University of South Florida, and since then I have become an independent uh, scholar and writer, and um, and so that's that's kind of my background. And and in terms of the book uh, of greed and glory in pursuit of uh, freedom for all, this book, uh, you know. I, I bring to it my love for freedom and sovereignty. And also, like you, Kevin, I wanted to understand the world I live in. I wanted to understand the world my brother uh, is living in as he is incarcerated at uh, the Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola. At, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I, I wanted to learn about that. I wanted to learn about the historical context in which I see you know, his incarceration, and not just his, but uh, it, so many, so many more, millions and thousands who are locked up and many locked up for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, uh, the inequality of how that justice is outlaid is, is just shocking when you think about it. And the fact that it ever existed is tragic, but the fact it persists in the 21st century is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I, and that's one of the things I wanted to to get to in this book is to look at how it is that this persists into the 21st century. You know, mm-hmm. we we are we say we are uh, the land of the free, but we have 2.5 more than 2.5 million people locked up in prison, uh, and and thousands locked up for life. And for life without without the possibility of parole, it, it's like mm-hmm. how how can you do that? And how do we? How is it that we are allowing this to exist uh, in in our modern democracy? Yeah, and uh, by the way, and that isn't all violent crime. That's not even uh, seven digit or eight digit financial crime. We're talking people. Oh, three, you know, three strikes and you're out. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, for the kind of crimes that individually they would get a year, maybe a few years, but life—it's it, uh, really ridiculous when you get down to it. And and to your point, uh, the United States has five percent roughly of the world's population, but twenty percent of the world's prisoners. 
which I want people to think about that. That number is shocking. And you have to compare it. So basically a little, almost, almost uh, more than 50% more than uh, is documented in Russia and China. And am I saying that Russia and China are honest players when it comes to things like that? Of course not. Uh, but, you know, we all know both of those are totalitarian regimes. We're supposed to be the land of the free. 5% of the world's population, 20% of the world's prisoners. Uh, it's unbelievable. You're absolutely right. And, and we have to, we, if, if we are going to uh, speak with integrity, when we say we are America, we are this light in the world, and we are the land of, of liberty, freedom, and justice, uh, to what extent do we have integrity with that when we look at these, these statistics and, you know, two point, more than 2.5 million, and, and as you pointed out, 20%, 20%, of of you know the world's imprisoned population, so mm-hmm. how, how do we get to that, and what explains that, and what do we do about that? Yeah, yeah, and, and when I look at what's going on, you know, uh, particularly uh, I find interesting because the hardest hit areas when it comes to crime uh, are also uh, among the hardest hits when it comes to injustice. Um, I see on the left sometimes kind of loony approaches of uh, loosey-goosey views when it comes to dealing with real criminals, and then on the right, kind of a knee-jerk reaction if they did something bad, stick them in jail forever. And it seems to me that it makes a lot of sense to have a nuanced way of approaching these things. Um, you know, and what we have as the ultimate objective is to have people stay out of jail and actually become meaningful, substantive, contributory people to a better society. That seems to me that would be a really good objective, but it's not. It's, it's pure retaliation. It's not nuanced. It's not thought out. Uh, to me, the problem uh, is a, is really a bipartisan one, uh, in that they both, but they both take different uh, of ways of contributing to the problem. That's <laughs> kind of how I look at it. Yeah, it, it's not nuanced, and and you're absolutely right. There has to be, and and there are alternatives to simply caging people, uh, and 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 many times, as you probably well know, so many people who are locked up in in jails across our country ha- haven't even been charged, right? They haven't even been charged, but they can't make bail. So right. so they're locked up until, you know, um, it's, it's, it's time to go to court, and sometimes that's, that's uh, months or years. So mm-hmm. it, why, why is that, and, and why is, is it that those who can least afford, you know, bail are the ones who are locked up and uh, populating these, these institutions? Yeah, and very often they end up getting out in a year or so. They go before a judge. It's kind of, this is kind of ridiculous, you know. And and they end up getting out, but their entire lives are ruined. You know, whoever they had a significant relationship with, they've moved on. Uh, you know, they're they're financially uh, devastated. They have no place to live. Um, they have no job, and and there'll be difficult times getting hired. Why were you not working for a year and a half, even if there was no conviction? It's always really hard to navigate that type of thing. And it's only people who have suffered through that that understand how difficult that is. 
all that is what ends up happening. That's that's right. And like you say, in the case of someone who gets out finally, um, because there wasn't really a case in the first place or it was a case that could have been uh, dealt with otherwise than locking someone up, that, you know, there's all of this, what you described, this, this collateral damage. And if that person was the main breadwinner for that family, what has happened to that family in, in that time frame? What has happened to the children? Uh, and so, you know, we have, have this, 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 uh, this repercussion that doesn't even need to happen. It doesn't need to happen. And why is it that uh, people are so undervalued in our country that we allow them, allow us to, you know, suffer these kinds of consequences when there are alternatives? Absolutely. Talking to the author of Greed and Glory, very interesting book, very important subject that I think really translates to all of us. And by the way, disproportionately, there's no question about it that blacks in particular, but minorities in general are uh, among the hardest hit when it comes to this type of injustice. But frankly, it's shocking how many um, white people, particularly lower income white people, are in the same plight. This is not a, a purely racial problem. It's an injustice problem, I think, driven a lot by economics. Anyone who doesn't believe there isn't a multi-tier justice system in this country has not been uh, someone who's had to go through that system. Um, frankly, if you look at it, you, it it's so evident. Uh, you're really either really ignorance in, in, from a lack of exposure is the only one one could come to that conclusion. Deborah Plant, my guest today, phenomenal conversation. So, Deborah, as you wrote the book, obviously, you know, just in our conversation, I can see a lot of where you know who you were trying to reach, who you were speaking to. What were some of your hopes? What are some of your uh, desires to come out of this? And we need more education like this. I'm so glad that you did a, a book like this, and we need more of this. Well, so thank you for that. And one of the things I, I want to come out of this is that we become conscious of what it is we're doing as a nation and as individuals uh, in this nation. What What is it that we're doing that is driven by our unconsciousness, by beliefs that we hold by uh, you know, ideas that we have, thoughts that we have that allow us to allow this kind of uh, barbarism in, in, in our country, uh, in, in contemporary America. So to bring, I want us to, to bring the unconscious to the conscious level, and that allows us to have the kind of conversations that you and I are having right now and others can share in this this discussion as well, so that we can uh, begin to think in ways that allow us true emancipation, allow us to really live out those values that the founders, the founders and the framers uh, of, of, you know, our democracy, live out those values of liberty, democracy, justice, and equality for all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and for those who have any kind of romantic notion that putting them in jail is an opportunity for them to become better people, there's very little evidence of that. Frankly, it's the exact opposite. The retribution that they have long-term-wise of a prison record that inhibits them from being able to find work going forward makes it so easy for them to go back to what got them into jail in the first place. In addition to that, 
their self-esteem continues to be destroyed and devastated. And I know people listen to that and they go, who cares about their self-esteem? Well, anyone who has to live in the same world with these people would worry about their self-esteem because the crime they perpetuate is done out of self-loathing. It's not done because they feel good about themselves. It's because they feel terrible about, about themselves. And then they have so many, uh, few options. And uh, they're surrounded by other criminals who talk about crimes they committed with such great success, although how in the world did they end up in jail if they were so successful? But they're not hearing that. They're hearing about the glory, the, the war stories. And uh, so these, these people leave prison really having undergone a graduate educational, graduate, under, I'm sorry, graduate level education in criminology, but not the kind of criminology you wish they had. Instead, it's how to be more uh, criminal in their behavior. It, it's just ridiculous. We perpetuate, and then we end up perpetuating multi-generational-wise because as they go through that system, they pass it on to their young ones. That uh, really brings out the worst in all of us because those who that decide not to do criminal activity still have to live among those who will. There's got to be a better way. You're absolutely right, and you're saying exactly what it is that my brother has shared with me about you know his time there and how people come into the system who some some are innocent, many are innocent, and those who may have committed you know, some felony that, that, you know, just they did the wrong thing and, and you know, they're, they're having to deal with that. But instead of being rehabilitated, as you suggest, they're, they're being, uh, in, you know, sort of sort of coached and, and, and instructed and taught into these other ways, uh, you know, of criminality. And they become the criminals that they really weren't. And you're absolutely right. And this is exactly what he has has shared with me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell people how they can get a copy of your book. And I really encourage people to uh, to check this out. Um, this this doesn't just affect those who go behind bars. It affects entire societies, cultures, the rampant crime we're seeing. It's now just commonplace. Um, and shocking. Uh, a lot of it that ties back into this story that we're talking about right here. And so and this isn't about someone else. This is about the listener. Even if they are not going to go to jail or have no loved ones directly connected going to jail, we're all impacted by those who do go into a system that makes them more criminal, not less and uh, really perpetuates the very things we don't want to see happen. So how do we get the, get the book, Deborah? Uh, I, I recommend that people check uh, for their independent bookstores where, where they are, and then uh, also the uh, brick-and-mortar chains that, that are there in their neighborhoods and communities. And beyond that, there are uh, venues online where the, you can get the book. Yeah, it, it's, it, you definitely be able to find it. It's worth finding, and I strongly re- uh, recommend you you do. Thanks so much for your time t- today. Really enjoyed it, Deborah Plant, Deborah G. Plant, and she is the author of of Greed and Glory. Really enjoyed our time. Thanks so much for being with me. You're very welcome. I enjoyed it too, Kevin. Thank you so much. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. Stay tuned for more right after this.